All right, we're back. NFL Warren Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stopsky. I have my coach's corner co-host, my possible future co-offensive coordinator on the hush-hush. Nothing official yet, but Coach Matt, vaguely Italian last name, Ginatina. How you doing, buddy? I am fantastic. Uh, good to be back. Uh, it's not so hush hush now that you just announced it on the podcast, but uh, well, listen, yes, uh, possibilities possibilities are endless. So um, yeah, it's exciting exciting time of year. Obviously, a lot of coaches uh, moving around in the college ranks and you know high school where we're at too. So um, it's interesting. And then obviously, of course, free agency, the legal legal tampering, whatever that means today. Uh, I don't even know why they even say this anymore. It should just be just free agency starts. I, I, mean, I know. I agree with you. Uh, well, listen, I, I, I think by saying that you're my cover the coordinator, I can kind of just will it to happen at this point. You yes. Know, like, this, this is, this is going to be a thing. You're putting it out there. I'm, in the I'm putting it out there. Yes. Okay. A- absolutely. We're, we're going to make this happen. Fair enough. Uh, so we can score more than three touchdowns this year. That, 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 that's, that's the over under on our, on our season. Fair uh, but it's uh, my first podcast back since being a dad. I am exhausted. Uh, this is audio only because if you guys could see my office, you would cry. <laughs> it's, it's an absolute fucking disaster over here. Can confirm. Uh, yeah, as as it is transitioning from my office to my daughter's room. Um, so that is a that's a thing. But the New York Giants were uh did a lot over the last week or so. Obviously, Daniel Jones, uh Saquon Barkley, uh Roches Noches, uh, <laughs> and and Bobby Okariki. So we kind of watch about a little bit with the New York Giants, also talk about some other free agent stuff, and then the, the probably the Panthers and Bears draft uh draft trade, which was yeah, insane. Yeah. Uh, but because we are New York Giants fans, and then you know, as much as I love to uh, look at all the stuff for free agency, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to day one, I really just care about the big name guys and then what the New York Giants do. I'll evaluate everything else as it as it comes to be, because you know these deals obviously aren't finished yet. They won't be finished until uh, I believe Wednesday, um, mm-hmm. and then with these deals, you're also going to see other guys get traded away. Some guys get cut. Yeah, uh, you're going to see the cap casualties. So you don't want to be like, oh, wow, this guy's going to pair so well with this guy. And then two days later, he gets cut because of the cap casualty. So uh, I'm not going to even look into that until you know, until we get at least past next week. Because um, there were even reports that Xavier Howard was on the block. So everyone's talking about well, Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. If Xavier yeah. Howard gets, gets straight in, like, what's yeah, that's what it is, right? And you could always get that Frank Gore to the Eagles, uh, you know, type of type of thing, right? Where yeah. we've seen that Anthony Barr to the Jets. Uh, where the jails they don't fall through. The guys have last minute, you know, they have that technically they have that time. They have time. Um, always back out of that and nothing is signed, nothing is official. So um yeah, I mean I guess technically you could take some of these deals with grains of salt because some of them may fall through. There's always that possibility. One hundred percent. And also we have the Aaron Rodgers no deal, which is as of this oh, moment, ten forty one on Monday. Uh but no we'll we'll keep ten forty one PM by the way, uh, as we look into it. But so let's start the New York Giants. Um yeah. Let's start with, with the biggest thing that happened. Daniel Jones signs his extension. Uh, polarizing. Polarizing figure uh, amongst the fans. What was your first initial reaction to the to the report? I mean, I, I think that there were so many numbers thrown out there. Um, and the Giants did put it right down to the wire. Um, there's a great Monday morning QB um, article put out by Albert Breer today. Uh, that talks about the negotiations, how they were ongoing, and kind of how it really got struck at you know three fifty three, seven minutes before the tag. I mean, tremendously down to the wire. 
Um, the Giants had two emails written, you know, one for tagging um, Saquon, one for tagging Daniel Jones. Um, my first initial true reaction was, thank God it wasn't the tag. And the reason I say that is because that just takes up so much freaking money as a cap hit, $32 million. Um, you know, his AAV now is $40 million, right? So people were like, well, it doesn't make sense. But his cap hit is really only 19 with the extension. Um, so to me, I said, thank God, because th- this team had a lot of holes. Um Without you know, with without that, if they would have just tagged him, I think they would have been so screwed um, in terms of what else they could do to plug holes: linebacker, corner, receiver, you name it. Um, so this team has a lot of holes to still fill, and I so I I thought that was the big benefit to that. And like we've talked about, the Giants, you know, next year, um, you know, are still going to be a decent team. They still have uh, still will have holes. Next year will be the year after you know. Two years from now, you know, one more year after this will be their year, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so my first initial thought was, fuck, uh, honestly, because I, I was very nervous when I saw the four-year 160, and then you saw the $35 million of possible extra bonuses on top of it, Yep. Uh, which is not great, because I don't know uh, how people know this, um, but the if you have incentives like that has to be built into your salary cap, as long as they are reasonable incentives. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, um, you know, three, uh, well, actually I think the incentives that we saw were like you no know, top 10 quarter, which, which by the way, we don't have no idea what that means. Like what is the top 10 quarterback? Like is yeah, that passing uh, touchdown? Pass, yeah. Yeah. It, interception rate. Like, right. Is, on our rankings, like who, who, like what is top 10? Uh, but it's you know it really depends on on how this looks as in terms of like if it's realistic or not, uh, and if it's not realistic and they and he hits it, that goes as a negative cap hit against your net following year. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of rough. Um, when I saw the numbers and it came out, uh, and it was essentially like 105 guaranteed. The initial thought was 82, but I think it's more like 105. Uh, so it's, you're really, you're hooked on for two and a half years for Daniel Jones. Um, which when my brother came to me, he was like, Hey, now what do you think of this deal? And I was like, the fact that everyone is talking about how they can get out of it in two and a half years tells you they shouldn't have done this deal. Like you don't sign quarterbacks to look for outs in the contract, mm-hmm. right? You're signing quarterbacks and you're looking at our working we restructure when we have to sign guys or we have to go all in. Where can we kind of salary dump on years when we're bad? Uh, not like, oh, cool. If Daniel Jones doesn't pan out uh, in 2025, the New York Giants can can get out. Which, um, you know, everyone's saying that you know, Joe Shane is, you know, and Brian Dibble are smart are smart people, and, and they are. But the thing is, if he doesn't pan out, it doesn't matter for them anyway. They're getting fired. Right. But it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, um, I love Brian Dable. I think he's great. I love Joe Shane. I think he's doing a great job. And after watching today, I, I am more impressed with what Joe Shane's doing. Yeah. But if Daniel Jones doesn't pan out by 2025, uh, then they're probably firing Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, right? It's just well, that's the way it is. Yeah. And I think too, like the narrative has always been, well, he was never really their guy. I mean, but you can't that now he is their guy. Like even though he, they didn't draft him, he's still their guy. And to your point, Matt, it's funny because you said, you know, you don't look for those outs, yet there are so many people arguing on the other side of the, the podium here that, um, you know, hey, like, you, you know, you had to pay Daniel Jones as a franchise quarterback. You gave him a franchise quarterback deal. 
But yet, to your point, the caveat is, well, they got an out after two and a half years. So is he really? You don't know. And I I think part of it, too, could be because they see the writing on the wall with the salary cap going up, you know, in in future years. And if he does continue to progress under Dable, which I think is what they are trying to do, is continue to give him incentives to progress and get better um, with a guy like Shea Tierney, who possibly could be an OC or a head coach one day and Kafka, who could be a, a head coach one day. There's a lot of good coaches on this team in terms of development, too. So that's something that I think they can, they can, you know, they want to do and they can do. That's what they envision. And bringing in a guy like uh, Jeff Nixon from Carolina, he has some OC experience, and I think that can only help. And he could be the possible OC moving forward if Kafka was to leave. So just a lot of things to think about with, with this deal as well. Um, so yeah, but they brought it down to the wire. That's for sure. So I, I do want to bring up like the, uh, you know, Daniel Jones got better under Dayball because I have been kind of railing against that for, for a good amount of time now, uh, where the, the team absolutely did better under Dayball. Brian Dayball, and let's, let's not sugarcoat this, is an amazing coach. Yeah. I love the dude. I met him when I was in, in Phoenix and I, I somehow love the man more, uh, from being in Phoenix. Did like, you give I, him a hug? He looks oh, like a I, I, I honestly, he probably would have done the hug, but he was just so nice. Also, he, he was grabbing a cigar, I already lit cigar from a bush. Like, I wasn't going to give that man a hug. Like, he, like, but when I saw that, I was like, I need to call the Maras and make sure this man's a lifetime deal because, and, and this is where it really scares me. Brian Dayball is a phenomenal coach, and I do fear we saddled him with an average quarterback. And I am very nervous about that because uh, there's only so much a coach can do, right? Yeah. You, you know, everyone loves to talk about uh, Kyle Shanahan and how great a coach he is. You could never get over the hump with Jimmy G. Right. Jimmy is an average quarterback, right? right? Like, like if Jimmy G and Daniel Jones are not that far apart in terms of how good they are. Um, and you saw what Shanahan and the Niners have to do every single year just to be competitive. Um, and granted, they do a great job and they, and they win games. Um, but how many of those guys on San Fran are the best at their positions? Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Like you, you have a, a Debo Samuel's up there. Um, Christian McCaffrey now is up there. Like you have a lot of guys on the Niners who are the best at their positions outside of, honestly, there's not a single New York giant that you could say, Oh, that's the best at their position. You have some guys who are up there, right? You have Andrew Thomas, who's like number two, sure. uh, keep on Thibodeau, who's getting up there. Dexter Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence. Close. it's just, yeah, no, unfortunately, you know, Aaron Donald and Chris Jones exist. Uh, if not, Dexter Lawrence would be the next guy, but like, it's yeah, just Simmons, another yeah, guy that you could consider. Yeah. So it's just it's very hard, you know, uh, to to be that competitive with an average quarterback, especially when you're paying the kind of money that Daniel Jones is being paid. And I saw this a lot where people were saying, you know, now all Daniel Jones needs is a, you know, a, some receivers and you know a, a better run game or a defense. It's like, well, you're not going to get that when you're paying him yeah. forty million dollars a year, right? And I know people are saying like, well, no, they're only giving him nineteen or twenty-one, whatever it is, uh, at this point. But the Giants were already tight as it is. Yes. They're not going out and getting players, right? They just essentially gave uh, you know, $31, 32000000 million to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Like Bobby right. Okariki is probably the highest free agent we're going to get. Yeah, and I think it's it's I, when that was reported today, Ian Rappaport said, you know, a giant splash in free agency. Like that's going to be their splash, which, listen, 
definitely needed. I love oh, the player. 100%. Love the player. Uh, you know, Giants talk about smart, tough, dependable. Here's a guy who went to Stanford. Obviously, smart player. Uh, missed, I think, I think two games in his past. I, I don't even think it was. I, I saw a stat. It was like something very minimal. You know, he's going to be dependable. Um, he's tough. You know, I think he racked up. 200 plus tackles and more than that, 250 plus tackles in two years. So the guy is an absolute tackling machine, 158 last year alone. Um, that's pretty good. And the Giants needed that desperately, especially in Wink Martindale's system. And he's only going to get better behind a guy like a Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, he's a inside linebacker. We haven't had in a yep. long time. Yep. Um, he's a hard nosed kid. You're right. Like he's, he's a, a very good run defender. Uh, he has a very good speed. Uh, he, his coverage was kind of here and there, which is it's not surprising. True. Um, that's always the last thing to develop usually for linebackers is, is coverage, especially, um, you know, guys who are, who are really like inside linebacker types. Um, True. but he has the speed to be good in Wake Martindale's system. Like he's, I like him a lot. Uh, yep. And the thing I like about this deal a lot is that Bobby Okariki is not a phenomenal linebacker, and we didn't pay him like one. We paid right. him the value he's paid, right? Like he's getting debt about ten million dollars a year. Bobby Okariki is absolutely worth ten million dollars a year. This is the difference between Joe Shane and and Gettleman, right? Gettleman yeah. would have gave him twenty two million dollars a year. He'd be gotten a CJ Mosley deal, uh, yeah. and then we'd be like, oh great. Uh, and then in, in a year when Bobby Okariki is just a regular linebacker, or, or like even like a little better than regular, like a good linebacker. Um, we're still sinking an extra 15 million to a dude. Uh, yeah. This was a great deal. This keeps, I think, Bobby Okariki uh, above value his entire time at the New York Giants, especially if he yep. continues to do what he's been doing. He's only right. 26 years old, right? Like, so he's he's a solid player. I, I really like what we did there because the, you know, the Giants have not had a real inside linebacker since Antonio Pierce. Yeah, like, it's, right. it's been a minute, right? Yep. Um, and I, I don't even think the Giants have had a coverage or a guy of this kind of speed in a minute. Yeah, uh, a linebacker. So I'm really excited about this. Um, I I think it makes the defensive line even stronger by yep. having a linebacker of this caliber, uh, because you have a, a Dexter Lawrence and you have a uh, a, a Kayvon Thibodeau. Like th these guys will benefit from having a linebacker of this guy's caliber. Yeah. Uh, it also takes away a need for the draft, and this is something that uh, was preached heavily at PFF when I was there. Is that you don't want to go into the draft with needs, right? You, right. Need, you need at least if, because you might say, like, you know, I want, I need a corner. I want a corner, right? But let, let's say you get to pick 25 or whatever pick though you're sitting at, uh, and there's no corner there, right? Right. You're not going to reach. That's how players bust. It's very rarely that a player busts. It's more rare. It's more, uh, more um, usual that a team busts. Yep. They overdraft a guy. Yep. Right. If a guy is, you know, should be taken at 42 and you take him at 25. The player didn't change. Just the amount of money and the expectation you had. Yep. Um, so you can't be reaching for dudes. Um, so you have to have the players on the roster going into the draft where you are. You feel confident that if this is the roster you're putting together, uh, you know, the first day of September, you're good. Correct. Right? There, there's not any massive hole, right? Yep. Like I, I hate it when teams go into the draft with zero quarterbacks or like, yep. oh, dude, you're taking a snap. It's like, you better hope this goes your way. Yep. Or no, God forbid the guy gets hurt. Like yep. you're you're going in with nothing. Um, like you need you need players, right? Right now, the Giants have a bunch of significant needs, especially crosses up with the line. Uh receiver is is a is a massive issue. 
Um, corner is a serious issue. Safety is an issue. Uh, and then and linebacker was an issue. I feel pretty confident with Okariki that the linebacking core will be okay. Um, but the Giants have a lot of problems. And this is kind of going back to the, you know, Daniel Jones just needs X. I don't know where you find those guys. <laughs> right. Uh, that, that is going to, there's no receiver out there. There's no, there's no Stefan Diggs who's going to make Josh Allen right. uh, have, have that jump that, or Daniel Jones have that jump that Josh Allen had. Um, it doesn't exist. Daniel Jones has to do it by himself. Yep. Right, like you're going to do with Isaiah Hodges. You're going to do it with Sterling Shepard on one leg. You're going to do it with <laughs> Wondell Robinson. You're going to do yep. it with um, whoever the New York Giants bring in because they're probably going to end up getting receivers in the in you know the second third wave of free agency. Um, you just got to do it right. And when yeah. you're getting paid that kind of money, uh, it's kind of on you to do it. Yep. That, and that's and that's the deal. Like, you know, uh, not saying that he should not have taken the money. Like he at if you're offered the money, you take the money, right? Uh, but the, I think what it does change is from the media and the fan perspective, the excuses to be thrown out the window now. Correct. There's no more, well, he just needs. No, no. You can say that when he's a rookie. You can say that if he's a mid-tier quarterback. Sure. Once you're getting paid $40 million a year, you are expected mm-hmm. to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to our conversation about, or at least my lecturing, about the about the the high draft pick, right? Did the did the Giants just reach on Daniel Jones, and now is DJ going to bust? Not because DJ is a different player, right? DJ is DJ, and looking at his numbers throughout his his career, DJ hasn't really changed a whole lot, right? Right. The only thing you could say is DJ has kind of um, really shrunk back his touchdown numbers, uh, which you know you could say it's a different scheme, obviously, uh, and he's really t- and he's really brought down. The how far he throws it on the field. This was not really a gunslinger like he used to be in 2019 uh, when he was coming out there and just chucking the ball. Like even just looking at the numbers, right? right. In 2019, his uh, depth of target was like 8.4, and this year was 6.4. Yeah, big difference. It's a, it's a massive difference, right? So like that number has changed. Not in the right direction, by the way. That number has changed, um, and it's not like in 2019 he was throwing to that much better receivers. Like well, it wasn't like there was no great players. And even like the years right. afterwards, no, he, he went from eight point four to eight to seven point three to six point four. Like it's been continuously going down over his career. Yeah. Um, his turnovers um, have not really gone down uh, as much as people I think would like to believe. Um, so PFF has a good stat called turnover plays, which is turnovers. Uh, that should have happened regardless of it or not, right? Like if I yeah. throw, if I'm a quarterback and I throw it at a corner and he drops, he drops it, it. Yeah. that's not that's I didn't make a good play, right? He, he just he just fucked it up, right? Yeah, he's or a DB, if, he's not. That's why he's not a receiver, right? 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 So, or if I hold the ball for four seconds and I get sacked and I fumble, uh, but it happens to roll out of bounds, it's still or on my old lineman recovers, right? Yeah, it's still on me, right? Um, if you're looking at DJ's like uh, play percentage. 5.5 of 2019, which is garbage, right? And right. then 3.1, 2.7, 3.1. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Nothing has changed. You look at DJ's yards per attempt 6.6, 6.6, 6.7, 6.8. Like these numbers aren't changing. Right. Daniel Jones <laughs> is who Daniel Jones is, right? You might see a different outcome yards wise based on that, on how often you have him throw it. You may have a different, uh, 
number touchdown wise based off of how often we're in the red zone. You may have a better record based on the coaching. But Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones. His average numbers, which is how you need to look at players, not at the uh, toll they put out, right? Because that can change, right? If we're judging running backs on yards, and one has 1,200 and one has 1,000, but the dude with 1,000 is a 4.5 yards per carry, the dude's a 3.6. The 4.5 yards per carry guy is better. Correct. The, the, the scheme he was in and what he's asked to do was different. Right. Uh, Daniel Jones is who we think he is. He's an accurate, short to intermediate thrower who is kind of risk adjacent. It doesn't really do it. Like, he doesn't really throw the ball down yeah. the field anymore. Um, and he's a good runner. Right. But, I think that's that's where and I think he's always been a good runner. I think that's the difference in utilizing him, right? But that's scheme. That's coaching. It's all that's, scheme. That's you know, that's and I, I a little bit of Daniel Jones, I think, is the awareness, the pocket awareness. But again, that comes from coaching, right? He was yeah. young. He I think I actually think Pat Shermer was pretty good for him. I think I Pat Shermer was actually pretty good for him. Um but uh yeah, and you know, I think that uh that Daniel, you know, like you said, you know, it, it's Great runner, but there are some of those abilities. I would love to see that stat, what the numbers were for Eli Manning. Because I felt like Eli Manning was the king of like guys dropping picks, guys like Eli would get like guys just bobble it. It would go into the defender's hand. I would love to know what Eli's stat was for that. That would be I got you, man. I feel yeah, I would love to know. But so I uh, can't go back to oh four when he started, but I I have back to oh six. That's fine. What do you got? Uh and you know, looking at twenty play percentage, um, it's you know it's relatively so actually it starts off pretty similar to Daniel. Uh, Eli's at five point three, Daniel's at five point five, and then he goes to four point two, and Daniel goes to three point one. Daniel's been around three point one, two point seven the rest of the way. Eli has five point three, two point seven. Then by two thousand eight, he's at two point seven, and then two point nine, and then three point nine, and three point six, and three point six, and five point three, and four point two. So he was always a little more risky with the ball. Which he was. if you remember Eli Manning. He had no problem saying fuck it and just going for it, right? Yeah. You look at Eli Manning's uh, tar- uh, depth of target, you know, his career is 9.1. DJ's career is 7.5. Well, and I think, yeah, right? I think that's the, that that Gilbride offense, too, with what mm-hmm. they had. And, and they definitely took a little bit more deep shots and crosses down the field, just from what I remember. Yeah, and you know, looking at um, – this is and this stat's always a little more controversial, uh, big-time throws. Which is just throws accurate throws past past the uh, uh, line to gain, usually. Uh, you know, Eli Manning's big time throw percentage was four point seven, which is which is pretty high because we know oh. Eli liked to hit the intermediate part of the field, let the deep part of the field. That was his game. That was the Gilbride offense. Yep. yep. Uh, Daniel Jones is at three point one percent, but looking at the last two years, it's one point eight, one point four. Like he like that. That's bottom of the league numbers. Yeah. That's yep. that's bad. That's really right. bad. Um, and this is where I fear it's going to go with Daniel Jones. Is that I think the Giants were paid for Daniel Jones. I think Giants fans expect too much Daniel Jones, um, and he is going to fail. Yeah, there is you know about and what we've seen recently outside of one quarterback I can think of uh, is you know what you have in a quarterback. By year three, you do right. Every quarterback we've seen drafted in the last almost decade or so by year three 
we know if they're the guy or not. Yeah. Right. The only guys you can say a little differently, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, and then you could say Jimmy Garoppolo, but he was behind, behind Brady. Him. Yeah. Uh, so, I, and when he did get to the start, he was good. There wasn't much of a question. Right. Uh, it was really only Ryan Tannehill. Right. So if you're telling me that I have to bank that Daniel Jones is going to be good based off the extreme outlier of Ryan Tannehill, who only <laughs> ended up being an okay quarterback. I'm not super pumped as a New York Giant fan. Think that yeah. my that my uh you know my end goal here is Ryan Tannehill. Right. And I think that's definitely a huge cause for concern. Um and I, I agree with you on then and those things. And I think that's why, you know, I'm not surprised by the report of them bringing in Hendon Hooker for a top 30 visit, right? Like people are like, wow, I can't believe that. If they just signed Daniel Jones, like, well, I can. Because to that point, they can get out of this deal in two and a half years. And realistically, that, there's a possibility that he may fail. But to that point, you know, is ownership going to put that on Dable and Shane? And that and that sounds like, you know, you sound to say, or it seems like you're saying yes. And they yeah. would probably get fired for that reason. I don't know. I, I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes either. I think that I, I don't know if it's because the shift in culture has made such a difference with the fans, with just the way that they're perceived. I think the Mara and Tish family like are they're loving it. They're loving it right now because there's no distractions around this team. There's not right. off the field problems. The the giant way, whatever the hell that means, right. uh, is is back right in, in a sense to them, to them, to ownership, and that's kind of what kind of matters. Um, so that's interesting, you know. Then there's the Saquon Barkley piece of this, right? Which to me, I was actually a little bit more upset actually about that than I was about Daniel Jones, believe it or not. Were you really? I was. And I, I think, um, I mean, I knew it was kind of together, you know, they're good friends and they, they're, that's been talked about them hanging out. They've, they talked about how important it was for them to kind of play together and stuff. And, you know, listen, I think Saquon is, is, fantastic he really is and he's really a talented athlete um seems like a good guy i just think that again you can get a guy like uh isaiah pacheco um you know and he can do something for you you know and i i like this i actually like this running back class that's coming out um pretty decent um i like a guy like a matt burrito who they already have who they brought back again i thought good move to bring him back um, a lot more 12 personnel is the way that the NFL is trending, right? So, you know, it's, it'll definitely be interesting, I think. Um, I, yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting. So, I don't know. I mean, I think with Saquon, you know, $10 million isn't terrible, but at the same time, they're going to probably give him a long-term deal. I would think it's probably a three-year deal. Um, that's what I'm feeling. I don't think you give him anything more than three. I think if you give him more than three, that's a huge mistake. Um, yeah. And I kind of think it's similar. You kind of can get out around that same time as Daniel, two and a half years, you know, two right. years. So, so I'm I'm upset with I'm not upset with the Saquon Barkley deal yet. I'll wait until I see it. I will actually do with it. Uh, but I'm with you. Right. So n- no running back, no running back since 2015 has made the the AP All Pro team or any All Pro team actually. But it's a, 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 a AP All Pro team uh, after their fifth year in the league. Who was it, Adrian Peterson? Adrian Peterson. Uh, so, who, who so maybe coming back, right? So e- either you are the greatest running back of the last twenty years, 
Yeah. Or you're everybody else, right? And Saquon Barkley, although Giants fans love Saquon Barkley, is not that great. And I know I'm, I'm going to hide because people are going to come kill me. Saquon Barkley, because, and, and this is where, not just Giants fans, it's fans all over the place. They have an inability to look around the league. Saquon Barkley is not judged in the vacuum. He is judged amongst his peers. When you compare Saquon Barkley to his peers, there's a reason he's been the all-pro team once and he was a rookie. That's it. Right. Flash in the pan kind of. Flash in the pan. You know, he, when you, you compare him to the rest of the league, he is a good player, without a doubt. Is he a special player? Yes. Is he an athletic player? One of the best. But is he a great player? No. Arguable. You know, he might be right on that edge of good to great. He's not worth the money that the Giants are thinking about investing in him because um, he is not Adrian Peterson. He's not. Like, I, he, Giants fans still think Saquon Barkley is what he was projected as in the draft. Not a college, right. I agree. And he's not. Well, he had a great rookie year. And if he continued as that going forward, sure. I would say sure. This is, I understand he's, he's one of the best. Um, but he's not better than Nick Chubb. He's not better than Christian McCaffrey. You know, you could argue he's not better than Josh Jacobs at this point. Yep, it's, that's, it's, I would definitely agree with that. I yeah. take I take Josh Jacobs any day of the week. Yeah, actually, so it's it's a real problem. And I, and again, his injury history is a huge cause for concern, right? And this is these are the things that Joe Shane and Brian Dable like they understand that they people have to understand if you're listening to this, these guys don't get so emotionally attached. It may happen every once in a while. I think it kind of happened with Sterling Shepard, actually. Oh, um, yeah, one-year deal? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, they're not like, again, they have no real, they may love him. They may love him in the locker room. That's great. They may love him as a human being. It is a business. And we say that all the time, and I'm going to continue to say that. And I wasn't a person who, uh, I, you know, again, I love the Saquon Barkley pick at the time just because it was Saquon to that point, like what he could have been. Right. And he still can be a productive back, but not at the price point he thinks he is. And that's okay. Like, God bless him. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. But for me, it's too much. Again, I like Gary Brightwell, actually. I think Gary Brightwell is a pretty decent runner. I'm not saying he he he's better than Saquon Barkley athletically and all that, but I think you could have went into the season with like a Matt Burita, Gary Brightwell, and I would have been like okay with that. Um, I really would have because you see it all the time. And there's just so many guys. You can list off that running backs that have just been, I, I don't, they're not first round picks. Like that's the whole thing with B. John Robinson. I mean, I, I cracked up. I was listening to Big Blue Click Off Live, the Giants online talk show that they have every day. Shout out to John Schmelk. Shout out to John Schmelk. Um, and they, they had Joe Shane on at the combine. And some caller asked, Hey, if you could, would you trade up for B. John Robinson in the draft? And, I could just see it in Joe Shane's face because I certainly had the face on. I was like, is this for real? Like, is this dude for real? Incredible. I, like, it's like, I was like, is this, like, is this human being on drugs? Because it was just like, how do you even come up with something like this? Oh, I, I, it's insane. Let me, let me read this off to you real quick. Um, so I, I, you know, even though I haven't been doing a podcast, uh, I'm still, doing a lot of draft work and, and still keep up with, with like team studies and everything. Um, so I add the chiefs to the team study I've been doing for Super Bowl winners since 20 
is it 14? 2014. The running backs, their mm-hmm. average salary, right? Yeah, so if you put you put the uh, you put the the Chiefs in. Uh, Pacheco's making under a mil. McKinnon's making us over a mil. Since 2014, yep. running backs are making about 1.3. Yep. On Super Bowl winning rosters, 1.3. You're trying to emulate Super Bowl winning rosters, right? Right. Correct. What Top we are seeing since 2014, running backs are making an average. The top two, not like no, not averaging uh no dudes who are on the practice squad. The right. top two runners are averaging 1.3. And the reason why I'm putting them together is because the running back one and twos, their their uh value and their and their cap hits are almost identical. Right. It doesn't matter if you count one running back one or two. Like you're looking at uh, McKinnon, obviously. 1.5. He's an RB2, but Pacheco, no, 0.72. Looking at Cam Akers, Sony Michelle, neither over 2 million. Uh, the, next lesson, the first one we actually get to 2 million is you know, playoff Lenny over there getting, getting 2.5. Like that's, yeah. that's playoff Lenny, 2.5. And you got Ronald Jones making under 2. Yep. Uh, and then you get Sean McCoy, 3 million, which is breaking the bank. Wow. Apparently, this and Damian Williams in, in 2019. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm pretty sure Shitty was a healthy scratch in, in the 2019 game. He was. He, so, he like, was. The, the, the 3 million guy wasn't even getting you know, getting the carries. It doesn't even count, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, in no. 2018, you know, James White, 2.5, break of the bank. Sony Michelle, 1.75. Um, going down to 2017, Jay Ajayi was, because of a trade, making less than half a mil against the cap. Uh, and LeGarrette Blount making a little over 1.25. Uh, and then 2016, one because he went from one Super Bowl to the other, amazing. Again, 1.25. James White uh, under a mil this time. Uh, 2015 with Peyton Manning, uh, Ronnie Hillman or and TJ Anderson both under a million dollars. And then 2014, Shane Vereen, my boy Shane Vereen, and Garrett Blunt. Uh, Blunt's making that was I think was like 2.6 against not not two million, like 260 thousand dollars against the cap. Uh, and Shane Vereen was making about 1.1. Peanuts. So, this is ten million dollars. You're tripling the highest, and the mm-hmm. highest guy was a was a healthy scratch. I mean, that's, it's, a, that's a problem. It, it's that's a huge problem, and I think you know, I I think honestly, what I like about Joe Shane is he really has shown discipline. Yeah. Right, and he has, like he said, he has a line that he's going to draw in the sand, and he's not going to cross it, and. He's proven that I think with a lot of these deals that he's done, um, I think that we've talked about that with Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman was a great talent evaluator. He was horrendous yes. with spending money, um, but I think that's where Joe Shane is way better, right? Way better, and I think he's okay with that. Um, well, you brought it up before. He would have paid Bobby Okereke, you know, crazy, crazy money. Um, speaking of crazy money, defensive tackles are getting paid out the ass and former giant Dalvin Tomlinson just signed with the Browns four years, 57 million, 27 and a half guaranteed. I, Good for him. I mean, he's a little older, like he's a little bit on the older side, still young, still, still going to be, you know, decent, but yeah, towards the end of that, 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 uh, that deal will be later in his career. So these guys are getting paid. I mean, as they should too. They should. Yeah. So again, with, with the team study, uh, that was one of the positions. I think it might've been the only position actually that, I saw a rise in value 
not just in terms of like the money being put in, but also like the quality of the players winning Super Bowls. Yep. Um, like just, I'm just going to read you off these these number one for the tackles on these teams. Yeah, like go ahead. The you got Chris Jones, one of the best. Aaron Donald, one of the best. Uh, Dominican, uh, Dominic, who was one of the best Definitely. at one point, but still very good in 2020. You still know a, a you would call like a solid starter. Yeah, right. uh, Chris Jones in 2019 again, one of the best. Um, Lawrence Guy in in 2018, very good player. Very good, yeah. Uh, like Fletcher, him, underrated. Under yeah, underrated, good. Like really impactful player. Yeah. Uh, Fletcher Cox 2017, one of the best. Um, and 2016, uh, Malcolm Brown, Allen Branch. Both good players, not great, but good players. Um, and then 2015, Derek Wolf, Malik Jackson, both pretty good players. Yeah. Uh, and then, At that time, too. Yeah, they were good. And then, and then 2014, Vince Wolfork, obviously one of the best ones you played. 2014 is probably coming off that point. And Chris Jones. But the, what you're seeing is, because that was in, in descending order, uh, from 2020 to 2014, look at how many guys that went from being like an okay position to like a pretty good position to a guy of like impact to – Every single team has an extremely dominant inside force. Yep. Um, and that's it's almost going to a point where the inside force is becoming more important than the outside force and the edge. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense when you're looking at because you said the copycat league, you were talking about how 12 personnel is becoming a big thing in the NFL now. That is in response to nickel being the, the primary defense in, in football Correct. Uh, to counter the uh, the edge rushers, quarterbacks like Tom Brady, like a Peyton Manning, like a Drew Brees, got a lot faster. Yep. Tom Brady made Nate Soldier and Trent Brown tens of millions of dollars uh, because of how fast he hit the ball out of his hands. Yep. Um, he, he essentially uh, neutralized Joey Bosa by himself. Yeah. Um, but when you're in the middle, much harder to to do that, right? Because you're in the quarterback's face. And obviously, people know a lot of Giants fans. When you think back to that 2007 Super Bowl, obviously, Strahan and OC get a lot of love. But a lot of the pressure came from the middle. Justin Tuck, Jay Alford, the blitzing linebackers. Yep. Uh, they Fred flushed, Robbins. Yeah, Fred Robbins. Yeah, they're flushing Brady out. Because you know you're making Brady come off his mark, and all of a sudden Osi's there, Strahan's there. Yeah. Um, it's a when you're able to do that, they're they're quarterbacks like moving up. They hate moving back. It's just they they that's a, a thing, right? Because every quarterback is because you know, you're a head coach or or head coach, you know you're doing QB drills. You know you're having them hit the top of their drop, and then you're kind of yep. like swinging a thing behind them. They're moving up. Right. Very rarely do you practice a dude coming into your face. Right. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. It doesn't. Right. Um. Like usually, if you're yeah, rolling out, you was it was designed to roll out, right? It's yeah. very rarely you're you're escaping ten yards deep in your drop yeah. uh, to go outside. Yeah. So it's uh, it's very important to have these yes. interior guys, and so that's I think you're seeing that reflected in the market, where defensive tackles are now being paid comparable to defensive ends. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that you know you're I mean you're starting to see it, Deron Payne. Uh, Jeff Simmons is going to get it done. You know, uh, Dexter Lawrence, like we talked about Chris Jones, um, you know, these guys, that's going to be that new kind of wave of guys. And you see it now in college. Like we were watching the college championship game, right? We saw that kid from Georgia. We're like, holy crap. These dudes are just mountains who 
are super fast. Look at uh, the guy Cansey from from Pitt. I mean, yeah, that dude can move. He's a two hundred eighty pounds, a little bit different, a little bit different build, but that interior rusher, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that is, I mean, that's tremendous. So that yeah, I agree. I think that's where the game is going. And it's funny. Everyone thinks it's these long, lanky edge guys, right? Who are these tweeners that they used to call them tweeners right now? It's just right. edge. Yeah. But it's like, it's not even so much that now it's like, it's versatility. It's position versatility. Yeah. Um, I look at like one of the first, like the OGs in that position, like a Calais Campbell type of guy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Play like a five tech you can bump. Eric, inside Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead, right? Yeah. Uh, DeForest Buckner, like those guys. Justin Tuck. Justin Tuck, right. Those those kind of guys were those first couple, you know, players like that. Um, so I think it's, that part is really interesting. And one part, I, one thing I want to – And one more guy, actually, and not, not, yeah. not to sell him short, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, yeah. But that J.J. Watt was that – is because that's what we're really seeing out of these – a lot of the, looking at the defensive tackles I just spoke about. A lot of those guys are, are they're not really tweeners, right? But they play an equal, not an equal amount, but but pretty close amount of B gap, C gap, and D gap responsibilities. Like they're they're all over the defensive line. They are very versatile, right? It's not so much the edge rushers anymore that are like because those guys are, are usually left outside. Yep. Do your thing. It's that defensive tackle man, that, that we used to think of as right. that old school defensive end, that versatile defensive end. That's now Chris Jones. That's now Aaron Donald. Yep. Yeah, it comes from guys like JJ Watt. Justin Tuck, Eric Armstead, uh, Clayus Campbell, who, yeah, could play over the center, could play. I mean, over over the guard, could play over the tackle, or even play outside the tackle. Yeah. Did not matter. Yep. And I'm with you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. I, I one of the things I wanted to bring up is talking about you know the fans. I I, I was kind of watching, I was watching a Giants based um, podcast, if you will, similar to what we're doing. And just like some of the ideas they had for free agents, and I think a lot of fans who do this type of thing are guilty of this, right? So they tend to think like automatically it's going to be like a guy who was coached by, you know, uh, like for example, that automatically it's like Calais Campbell's coming to the Giants because he played for Wink Martindale. It's like slow down. Like, you know what I mean? Or it's like, um, you know, they're going to go after, I'm just making up a name, but Stefan Diggs because Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Like some of the people don't understand that some of these coaches, like they've bounced around, they've been all over the place. They've, they've been maybe to other places where just like players, they move too. So again, like Jerry Judy was connected to Brian Dable in Alabama. He's never coached him in the NFL. Right. So there are right. so many different things. So, I think when when you think of that, I think what it comes down to is honestly just scheme fit at the end of the day. I think we can't get so wrapped up in, well, you know, he coached this guy on this old team. And you know, you're seeing that a lot with Rodgers now, too, with the Jets. He's going to start getting guys who, you know, played with him and you're going to recruit them to the Jets. And that's a whole other fiasco. But I think like you don't see that really as much. You see more guys who maybe fit a scheme. So maybe someone who looks like a Calais Campbell. Right, instead of maybe Clayus Campbell. And I listen, I would love Clayus Campbell on a one year deal. I'm oh, not saying that, right? But I'm just saying that there are some guys who just think like automatically it's gonna be like, Yeah, this is a this would be a great signing for our team because there's a connection there. Right. And, and you know, if you're Clayus Campbell, like I, I don't know what he thinks about Wink. He only played for him for, for two years. Two years, yeah. Uh and you could actually I would I would argue, not even argue, like no, just look at the look at the stats and look at the grades in PFF. 
his time under Wink is some of the worst in his career. <laughs> now, granted, you can say it's because he's 35 years old and 36 years old, which it absolutely has a yeah, deal with, sure. right? But yeah. like, you're looking at just the dips. Just huh. look from 2019 to 2020. Not even use PFF grades. I know that's that's another thing that people love to hate against that. Just look at pressures, right? And also, place uh, plays that, that he played, right? 2019, uh, we're looking at 72 pressures at Jacksonville. 2020, 23. Even 2021, where he plays 200 more snaps, 31. So eight it's, more. Like so, it's you know, it it is a. He was his most productive years were from 2016 to 2019, um, and if I'm just you know, looking at where he was aligned uh, in in this deal, so I can just kind of get an idea of like you know where he was used. Uh, yeah, so here's the deal: like in Jacksonville, where where he had his best years, he had a pretty healthy mix of uh, interior and exterior pressure, so being you know pretty much spread out evenly. Yep. Uh, between B gap, C gap, D gap responsibility, even sometimes being a little more heavy on the D gap. Yeah. You know, being outside the tackle, uh, yep. especially his last two years in Jacksonville, he goes to Baltimore and he's shoved inside to almost mm-hmm. you no, know, not exclusively B gap, but right. heavy B gap, and it took a nasty hit. Play more on, three pack probably. Yeah. On on his on his production, and if I'm Clay as Campbell, like you no, know, I got you know another year maybe of my career. Do I want to play? gap the entire time when I just did it and I didn't really love it so much because <laughs> like, yeah. like that that's where Wayne's gonna put you right Wayne's gonna yeah. put you in that B gap spot he's like ah, I don't know if I want to do that like yeah. I, so I yeah like I, I I would say he probably goes to more of a spot where you're looking for a D tackle defensive end look um yeah and that's you know I, I don't know if uh the giant hey I'm not sure the Giants have a spot they want to do that that's that's Leonard's spot right? that's Leonard yeah, Williams correct. spot Correct. Um, and uh, uh, what did Aikman call him? Uh, Ronos Noches? Oh, uh, Ro- <laughs> Roches Noches. Roches Noches. Uh, like he, like he's a he's a full on straight D tackle, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he is run stopper uh, energy yeah, yeah, guy. Yes, so, yeah, so he's got Justin Ellis spot probably. Who yeah, yeah, so found by Jason Kelsey in the playoffs. Exactly. So, um. I don't know. There is a spot for Calais. It'd be great to have him, but I don't know if you'd want to come and play that B gap spot. I think you'd want to be a more Leonard Williams and even a little more of like, you know, kind of going outside of it more, which are you going to put a 37 year old Calais Campbell outside when you have Thibodeau and uh, um, Ojolari? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure you're going to do that. So uh, it's, yeah, that that, that fans do that all the time where they like, oh, yeah, this dude coached him once. And also, you know, we're both coaches. Yep, we still are. Did you, you love? Yeah, still are. Uh, did you love every player you coached? No, <laughs> no. Did you love every star player you coached? No, no. Like yeah, no. it's great. Like listen, I didn't hate any kids I coached. Yeah, uh, but that, there, there aren't kids where I'm like, oh yeah, this kid was good under me. I definitely yeah, want to bring no. him here now. It's like, yeah, nah, nah. Like, yeah, it's okay. Like nah. you know, it's it's you know, new kids, yeah. uh, new new guys, man. So like, I I, I agree. I, I, would I hate to have Clay as no, but like, is he coming here because he knows Wink? Unlikely. Sure. Um, it'd be more because you no, know, we we pitched him a spot that he likes. Um, outside of of that, that's because we really just spent a lot of the New York Giants. Uh, I do want to make one more spot, more one more point though, and it's kind of going all the way back to when you talk about Hendon Hooker. Uh, so I had a chance to watch all the quarterbacks that are going to be taking the top fifty theoretically. Um, so that's you know. Uh, 
Stroud, Young, Levis, Richardson, uh, uh, Hooker, and um, uh, McGee from from Stanford. Uh, but I'm not even going to mention him because he's terrible. Uh, <laughs> he's, he was bad. Uh, so when you're looking at quarterbacks, right, and this is something, that, again, that we go through every year in the draft, minus last year, where everyone's like, oh, there are three to four quarterbacks in the draft. Highly unlikely. Uh, from looking at recent history, you're looking at one to two, maybe three on a great year uh, are, are better than just guys, right? No Jags. Um, three guys might be better than Jags really closer to one or two guys are just better than Jags. Yep. You know, that solid starter to, to impact, the you know, elite level, right? Not even saying these guys are uh, three guys are gonna be elite, right? Cause that's, that's what, that's what doesn't happen. You're maybe one, maybe if you're lucky one, yep. right? You're thinking about the elite quarterbacks that have come out of the draft since 2015. Right. Uh, you're thinking about like Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, right? Right. Like Herbert's close. Like Herbert's definitely close. Um, uh, uh, Josh Allen's in there. I was like, he's, he's blue. Um, but you have Kyler Murray, who's like impact level, solid starter. Daniel Jones, you could say, is a solidish starter. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's really it, right? Yeah. Dak, Dak Prescott, you could say sure. like that that solid starter. To, uh, Jalen Hurts, I think, is right on the cusp of impact to elite level. So, but you know, that we're talking about it's like a handful of quarterbacks over, you know, seven drafts at this point. Yep. You know, they're just not, they're just not that many. Right. Yeah, so, right. um, I hate to break everybody, but, uh, young Stroud, Richardson and Levis aren't all good. Right. Right. Uh, probably, probably one to two at most is good. Right. Right. Um, and then, uh, and this, and there are some positions that the NFL does pretty well. Quarterback is a position the NFL is very well. Uh, not saying they don't miss; they do miss. Happens a lot. Yep. But when they hit, they usually hit inside the top fifteen. Correct. Right. Um, so if he's not a top fifteen guy, he probably isn't it. Right. Uh, but the two guys that of recent memory that have hit, not just like Brock Purdy, who had a, who had a good stretch. Let's see if Brock can do it again before I start anointing him as anything better than a guy. Yeah. Um, and been Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. Right, yep. we both taken outside the top fifteen. I'll say Lamar Jackson, uh, but I'm also a little hesitant on Lamar. Like Lamar had that phenomenal MVP season and then has dipped off heavily. Uh, and really, the last two years, which I think in the NFL, that's really all you're given is like right. what you did the last two years. Sure. The last two years, Lamar has not been great. Yeah, a lot of it's been injuries, not his fault. But we gotta see what is he because if you look at his stats from the MVP year to the rest of his career, that MVP year is an outlier. Yep, and is he more just, you know, a good player, or is he more that elite MVP year, or we gonna see kind of a repeat of Cam Newton who had one great year and the rest of his career was like okay. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, we'll leave a little hesitant on that, but uh, looking at uh, Jalen Hurts and looking at um, Dak Prescott, I think Henry uh, Hooker actually kind of matches up relatively well to those guys. Yeah. Right. You're looking at it at, you know, what, what did what did they do right when uh, you know, what what was what did Hendon Hooker do uh, in in college that uh, made him similar to, to these guys right? Like you're looking at, you know, I, I know people. Well, they say that, 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 that you don't see him, you know, two four seven numbers or whatever don't don't translate. Um, while I absolutely agree that being a five star doesn't make you great. Right. Um, there's a reason why none of these guys were below three. 
right? Like there, there, you know, there aren't dudes coming out of left field, right? To to, to be uh, all pro players at, yeah. at this point anymore, right? Because you no, know, because scouting and evaluation has come so far. Way too deep. Yeah, way it, 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 it gets so much more information now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I've been working with track and football a bit, you know, doing stuff uh, from one of my other jobs, and like, dude, the data they have on these guys, like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to miss a player. It's it's easy to miss on a player. But yeah. it's hard to like, oh my god, even see this guy, right? Like, th- th- there's eyes on everybody, right? But you know, you're looking at Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, both played in the SEC, both were at least a three star. Uh, Hooker also played in the SEC last year's Tennessee, was a four star coming yeah. out. Um, has relatively, you know, same height, I think a little, a little bit taller. Um, I think he's about five pounds under them, which is not terrible. No. He runs. He has the same level of athleticism. Common run that like, if he did run, obviously didn't because of his injury. Probably right. came in around a four seven. Prescott yep. was a four seven nine. He's not hurts four five nine. But this is not a, a massive difference. No. Uh, and then you're looking at at what he did um, in terms of like in his uh, in his past years. Like um, again, we'll use a PFF grade here. There, Prescott and uh, Hertz best PFF grade. And Prescott was a seven five five. Hertz was, was a nine uh, nine one. Um, and both of them, in their times there, were first team All SEC. Hooker had a ninety grade, first team All SEC. I yeah. think that if you're looking for outliers, guys who were high talent, high recruited, uh, highly recruited players with a lot of talent who played in the SEC and not just played but excelled in the SEC, right, are good bets for. For quarterback, as long as they have the, the right height and the right athletic ability, yeah, I think they are a good bet of guys that could be uh, that could be hits outside of the top fifteen. Yeah, and Hendon Hooker, I think, is that guy. Now, do you think that Hendon Hooker is the concern with him? Is he'll be twenty five as a rookie? Uh, I don't think it's a, a massive concern. Um, I do think that, that it's a problem, right? And you know, he'll pot and he won't really play until he's twenty. Six, right? Because if you're coming back off the injury, right? Um, but at the same time, I think he, you know, we're we're not looking to for quarterbacks, um, for ten years anymore, right? You're looking right. for a guy for four years, right? Right? And I think, you know, I'm not saying that Hen- at, uh, Hendon Hooker is going to be Pat Mahomes, right? No. I'm not saying he's going to be, um, uh, he's not going to be uh, Justin Herbert, right? Sure. I'm saying there's a shot he's Dak Prescott, right? There's a shot he produces the same level as Kyler Murray, not the same way, but produces a similar rate, right? Sure, sure. There's, there's a shot he produces Mac Jones, who you know Mac Jones is almost on the way, almost on the way out. There's a shot he produces, uh, you know what, what we're seeing out of you know uh, Trevor Lawrence in, yep. in a couple first years in, in in Jacksonville, right? Sure. That's that's the deal, right? Not saying he's going to be the best quarterback. We have not seen a dude outside the top um, thirty, outside the top fifteen, be that level of like elite player. Obviously, Lamar had that one season. Right. Jalen had this great season. We'll see if they can be replicated. Um, but so far, you know, if to get an impact quality player, you, you can hit on a guy like like a Hennon Hooker. Uh, and when it comes to Super Bowl champions, right, you need an elite player at quarterback, yeah. or you need a guy who's in that. What I call green or gold, green being the solid star, gold being an impact player. You need one of those guys to go on a blue level, elite level run in the in the playoffs, right? Yes. Um, like like a Matt Stafford, like a 
know, or or have elite level traits like like a Peyton Manning who wasn't a blue at that point in his career, but he's fucking Peyton Manning. Right. Um, you need those kind of guys. Right. Hendon Hooker has that ability to be a, a green or a gold in his career, and then have that stretch of a blue. Um, right. And I think drafting him uh, this year for the New York Giants would be very smart, considering Joe Douglas came from Philly. And he saw what happened with Carson Wentz and, and Jalen Hurts, right? Yeah. They drafted Jalen Hurts in the, in the second round. There's no pressure there. They, yep. Although they had just given Carson Wentz an extension a year prior, they weren't sold. Right. Right. They weren't sold. They had just came off, off an ACL tear. Their, their you know, star quarterback was really Nick Foles. They were yep. not sold. And that is what has kept Howie Roseman around. If they yep. don't draft, um, if they don't draft Jalen Hurts, no, it's over. They, Howie Rose was fired, gone. right? Because Carson Wentz crashes and burns. The entire team would crash and burn. They're all done, right? Yep. Because they had Shaylen Hurts in the back pocket, they were able to transition. Even though that Carson Wentz deal, in retrospect, looks awful, yep. it doesn't matter when you have another quarterback behind him who's getting paid on the cheap, right? So if they have Hennon Hooker, and let's say Daniel Jones, by year two, is just an absolute dumpster fire or something. <laughs> or he's just, or he's just DJ, and he can't get, him, and he can't get, get him past. No, can't, can't get him past a nine-win record. Yep. And Hooker comes in; he's getting paid on the cheap, and he's producing at a level of a Jalen Hurts, a level of a Dak Prescott. Sign me up. That's that saves Joe Shane, De- Brian Dayball's job. That's I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with that. So I mean, and that, uh, that's I'm a real possibility. It. I think it is. You know, I think it is a real possibility. I think that's why you bring the guy in. Now, with someone like that, you know, it's like that's interesting. Like, where do you take him, right? And that's where Giants have 11 draft picks, right? And I don't, yeah. I don't want to talk too much about the Giants. I don't want to go too much into it. Uh, we're, we're already an hour in. Might as well just be a Giants podcast. <laughs> Today is a Giants episode. Um, yeah. But I think, do I think there's going to be 11 guys on this roster after the draft, new guys? I don't. I don't. Now, like with that being said, maybe you trade up some of those late round picks into a, I don't know, Hennon Hooker goes third round. For, like, again, it depends on the medical checks, right? I don't know like where some people feel comfortable taking him or whatever, right? So uh, I'll just look at where where Charlie Campbell has him right now. Charlie Campbell, I think, is one of the best at this. Uh, very good. I've been working with, I've been, I've known Charlie for, for a minute now. Uh, and when I watch him work, he's, he is one of the most dialed in people I've ever met. Um, wow. And let me see where he had him go in his latest mock draft, which by the way, you can find at WalterFootball.com. You can find Charlie's draft stuff. Um, he has head and hook at 47, right? So going to Washington, which please know um, the giants closest pick is 57. They can absolutely package 57 and one of these late round picks to move into the early forties. Sure. And get him I, I think so. I mean, I think, listen, you trade up with a team like, you know, the Jets, you know, at 43, you know, I, again, you know, is it, let's, I mean, if you look at the second round, if you look at the second round and, and who's kind of picking there, you got Houston at 33, they're probably going to go with somebody. Arizona will probably go with someone. The Colts will go with somebody. The Rams, I mean, listen, I don't think they, they have a lot more holes than getting a backup quarterback for the future. I think you look at that in that 40 range, the Saints pick again at 40 directly, right? You look at the Jets at 43. Um, Joe Douglas has been afraid to trade. The Browns, right, at 42. Um, that That's the sweet spot for him, right? That's, I think, where you kind of are going to get him if you're going to trade up. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if a Tampa Bay 
took him at 50. You know, um, that's a real possibility. You know, so you have to be able to be willing to jump up from a 57 and, and again, package some of those picks. Even if you quote unquote overpay, if you feel this kid is, can be a steal in that second round, I'm all for that. Oh, yeah. And he's not getting paid a whole lot. Right. And it's not, you're not trading that second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, which I am so again, like I can't stand hearing that. No, I, I don't want that. That drives me insane. Um, but again, you hear that, you know, some of these fans, oh, second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, sign me up. Let's say he's not the same freaking player. Um, no, that, 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 that he, used to be. Like he, he's not yeah, exactly. the same guy. Like he's he, on the wall. He's and, on the wall and, out of 30, right? And, and he was never really known for getting open anyway no. when he was younger, right? No. So now he's, no, he's he's covered, you know, all pretty closely uh, all the time. Uh, and what, what made what made him great in in his prime was that he had hands that were just incredible. Like he didn't have a single drop uh, one year. I think it was uh, what year was it? It was twenty eighteen. Didn't have a single drop to his name. That is amazing, right? So you have a guy who's you know getting who has. 40 plus contested targets multiple years, uh, which is telling me he's not getting open at a, at a great rate. Right. Um, and now you're, you're showing, you know, he's, he's getting a little bit older. You know, he wasn't that fast to begin with. He was a four five seven guy coming out of college. Yep. He's only six foot one. Uh, he's not a huge dude. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, he's not the same guy as, as he was in Houston in his first year in Arizona. Uh, or honestly, maybe even his first year in his second year in Arizona, right? Uh, prior to what was that? That was the year he got injured, right? Like, correct. Or is it, was that the year he got busted for for drugs? It was uh, for for PDs, PDs, maybe it's PDs. Um, but whatever, whatever it was, um, he's not the player anymore. And really, what you're trading for is a better Kenny Galladay. Which correct. are we doing that again? No, thanks. Are we doing that, are we doing that again? No, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, and, and you know, not to go back. Well, not not to like lecture people again but i'm, I'm gonna fucking know it because my podcast uh <laughs> you, you don't need a that high of a quality uh perimeter receiver you, you don't to, to win in the nfl anymore um you definitely need you know good players uh but we're looking at guys who are like solid starters at the perimeter your best receivers need to be in t- inside mm-hmm. and you're looking back at, at Super Bowl winners, right? Super Bowl winners since 2014. Look at that. Uh, 20, uh, uh, since 20, from 2014 to 2022. Interior series, in, including tight ends. Travis Kelsey. Cooper Cup. Chris Godwin. Uh, Travis Kelsey again. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski. Also, you had Julian Edelman in that. In that Travis Kelsey. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Zach Ertz. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a year where they had Martel's band and Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman in 2016. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Emmanuel Sanders in 2015. Um, like it, it's, we're going kind of far back now, but like, but like what I'm trying to say is like the last, at least the last six Super Bowls, um, you have guys who your best receivers are dominating that middle of the field at all three levels, right? Yeah. Guys who can dominate the short, intermediate, and and deep levels from the inside, right? Yep. The perimeter guys. You just need not no not Jags not just any dude, but they don't need to be Odell in his prime. Right. They don't need to be DeAndre Hopkins in his prime. 
They just need to be solid receivers that you can rely on to be good, right? You know, your 800 to, to 900 yard receivers yep. who are quality players. Um, you know, oh, so this year they didn't have any, in my opinion. Like, Juju is an okay player. Uh, MVS is an okay player. Uh, 2020, you know, you're looking at Robert Woods. Yeah. And he was injured, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't even there. Um, 2020 is like the real like last year of like you know two guys being you know incredible, which is you know Godwin and Evans. Evans, right. um, and then when I guess you had, you had Tyree Kill, who was incredible. But you know, you're looking go back to 2018, Josh Gordon. Josh yeah. Gordon was very good in 2018, but he wasn't yeah. he wasn't elite. Alshon Jeffrey was very good, wasn't elite. Um, they actually won a Super Bowl. Malcolm Mitchell, Michael Floyd in 2016. That's incredible. Michael That's Floyd, just. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I mean, yeah, Demarius Thomas and, and Emmanuel Sanders were very good. So, like, well, I'm, I'm, the point being, like, we're seeing from history, uh, and you know, and not just you know, and the, and the point when we're looking back at history is not to go too far back, right? Because like, once the cap changed, yeah, everything changed, team building changed, also the game changes very often. Um, you only need one good premier receiver, and then you need someone to absolutely dominate sure. the middle, right? Yeah. So my look, if I'm if I'm Joe Shane, I don't really care about my premier receiver right now. I need to find someone inside that can dominate, right? Um, and right now, the Giants do not have that person Correct. that can that that either a slot or a tight end that can dominate the inside. Um, that would be my first look. It would not be the premier receiver. I don't need that one. That that's that's the last piece I'm looking at. Yep. Uh, in my receiving core. Yep. Um, and. I don't know. If there's many guys out there that uh, are available to, to dominate that middle because um, once someone finds them, they don't let them go. Um, so I, I would be really trying to find a, a tight end, really trying to find a slot receiver that, uh, or really hope that Wandell Robinson can turn into a good player because that's going to have to be the case. Yeah, and that is true. And I think uh, one guy that I really like in the draft is uh, Dalton Kincaid. Um, I honestly, I really like him. Like you talk about in the slot and just his production and his ability. Um, you know, I don't like to use, like, I don't want to be like that guy that says everyone's like Travis Kelsey, but when I really watch him play his athleticism, the way he runs routes, the way that he, you know, high points of football, super strong hands. Um, he is truly like that hybrid tight end receiver role that, I could see, you know, him truly being like a guy that develops. You got Daniel Bellinger, who is a fantastic, fantastic, you know, blocker. He has decent hands. Like he's good enough to be that, you know, he's a he's a poor man's number one. He's a good number two. And in this offense, they like to use tight ends. They like to use tight ends. And and that's that's a proven fact. Uh, you know, the Giants were rolling out guys like uh, who was the guy that they had from Kansas City they brought over? Um, Chris Myrick, right? right? They had, they had uh, of course, you know, um, you know, Bellinger, like we talked about. They had some guys for a while. You know, Lawrence Cager, you know, they, they had him as a, a, a flex type of player. So it was interesting, you know, and I, I think a Dalton Kincaid type of guy could be a guy for the Giants if they don't go – uh, they don't go after you know someone in free agency like a Dalton Schultz or or whatever at the tight end position. Dalton Kincaid would be a guy I would love to see the Giants target. 
I'd be on board with that. I like that a lot. Um, one guy that, yeah, this is, this is an absolute shot in the dark here, but um, I don't know if George Kittle is totally off the table. Interesting. Because of how they really like him as a blocker, um, they don't really, they don't really use his full potential as a receiver. Um, and the Niners are up against the cap. Yeah. I also they can they can maneuver that, um, and it's not like he has a like this is like I think Kittle's last year of like really tied in money. Yeah, um, that would be someone that I think would be interesting, uh, oh. especially with I don't think it's happening this offseason. I just because I, I just I just don't see it happening. Yeah, but if I'm the New York Giants, I am watching the Niners closely. Because if they stumble out the gate, like really stumble out the gate, because uh, Brock Purdy's not available and Trey Lance is terrible, uh, <laughs> and it, I, I'm, right now who are they starting at quarterback? Baker Mayfield? If they can sign him? No, like, it's Sam Darnold. Oh my God, it's right, Sam Darnold. So they, if they stumble out of the, da- out of the gate and they and they're playing Sam Darnold, uh, and it's like, oh man, we gotta we gotta rebuild, and a lot of our players are older. Yeah. Um, George Kittle is one that. You know, week four or five, I'm the New York Giants. I'm making that phone call. You know, one guy that I thought that the Giants at tight end could have went after uh, after they traded for Jonu Smith uh, was the Falcons' uh, Kyle Pitts. That's um, another good one, too, yeah. I thought athletically, you know, his upside, you know, he obviously had a bad year last year. Um, well, not, you know, production-wise, touchdown-wise, wasn't fantastic. Um, but that unicorn freaky athletic tight end type guy, they're looking allegedly for a receiving kind of tight end. I don't know. I think, I think you could get a, a Kyle Pitts, you know, again, if the Falcons are still not that great, they have John who obviously knows, you know, Arthur Smith's system. Um, maybe they look to move on, you know, from someone like that. They're continuing to build a little bit still too. They're a little bit behind the giants. Um, in that process. So that could be another guy that again, kind of sneaky underrated targets. You know, I love the Kittle uh, aspect of things. It's kind of like the Hawkinson move last year. Um, And I think after the Lions had some success, I wonder if they regretted that a little bit, you know, being able to maybe have a Hawkinson. Right. Um, But I think, listen, I think, uh, and and there's always going to be a disgruntled wide receiver in the NFL. There's always going to be somebody, right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Trayvon Diggs, I mean, uh, sorry, Stefan Diggs is traded. Um, you know, because I think he's starting to get unhappy now, or whatever. There's some rumors swirling around, and and whatever. Um, so there's always going to be that guy that I think you could go get, and I think the Giants will always be a really good destination as long as they have a Dable, because players do love playing for the guy. I mean, it's it, that's pretty evident. Oh, I, um, I agree. Honestly, yeah. Another one, uh, Mark Andrews. Yeah, I think would be interesting because. Uh, again, the Ravens are up against it. I think they only have, I think they have under a million dollars left available, and that's, yep. inc- that's and that's not including the, the draft picks they have to sign. Yeah, after it's over. Yep. Um, Isaiah likely had a good, very good year last year. Yeah, he did. Carolina. Yeah, he did. Um, I could see them moving on from Mark Andrews. Um, I think they they absolutely move on from Mark Andrews if Lamar if Lamar leaves. Oh, definitely. I think that I, that I think that absolutely that that puts it away. Because um, yeah. they're going to have to rebuild that entire offense. Um, that's another one that I'd be on board for. And, and the reason, and for, for listeners who you know are, are questioning why we're talking about drafting tight ends here, 
Uh, there are only so many elite tight ends or elite over the middle guys that where you, you really either you're drafting them or you're trading for them. And yeah. it's but when, when you're the New York Giants, uh, you're not always in a position to draft uh, a tight end because right. no, that's not just usually draft if you have as many holes as the New York Giants do. Right. Um, but going out and getting a Mark Andrews, going out and getting a George Kittle, um, a Kyle Pitts. That would be huge. I think that'd be that'd be really big. I think Mark and I think Mark Andrews and George Kittle. I think would probably be my first two choice because of how they how they are as run blockers, yep. especially Kittle. Yeah, um, because we, yeah, we you know they're trying to win more twelve personnel. Um, but I guess also the question is, are we going to more twelve personnel because that's what we have, or is that is that what David wants to do? Um, I guess that's a whole other other that's question. another podcast. Yeah. Um, that that is, I mean, that is interesting. And I remind, I remind, I remembered, by the way, my point earlier about listening to another show who had said something about somebody. So they connected that the Giants, because they had Andre Patterson as their defensive line coach, who was previously with the Vikings, that they should go after Eric Kendricks. Andre Patterson, I think I said Eric Patterson. Andre Patterson was the defensive line coach with the Vikings. He's the defensive line coach with the Giants. Okay, he. Eric Kendricks is a linebacker. Two different positions. Did not coach him at all. I didn't understand where that came from. And these are the connection things that people like. Where is that coming from? Where is well, that coming from? A lot of these people who do podcasts never went higher than high school ball, so they understand that like a position coach in, in the NFL really doesn't uh, interact with guys outside of position. Like just, they just like they really don't. Like, listen, I'm not not saying that him and Eric Kendricks like, don't know each other. Of course, but like, yeah. but like these guys are spending. No, position coaches are spending their entire time with that position group. Right. And that's and if they're not doing that, they're with the other co- other the coordinators. He's not looking at Eric. Like he might have. He might like. He might like Eric Kendricks. He might yeah, go to the Giants and be like, oh yeah, like you know, he's a solid player. But Eric's not going to go there and be like, oh yeah, that's that D line coach that. Was <laughs> right. On my team. It's like right. you know, like. They're not going to get, uh, you know, they're not going to get uh, all of a sudden get, you know, I was going to say a Bills player, but you could use a lot of arguments. But my point is, is that you can't just say that, you know, for just the, yeah. oh, the Giants should get Adam Thielen because the D-line coach last year for the Vikings was, I mean, come on. Right, right. And listen, not saying that that may not be the case. Like, they actually might yeah. be great friends. Who knows? But, yeah. but it's not because they, they he coached him. Like, I, I can I can guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. It's. But yeah, most Very people that, that have podcasts never went, never went, uh, never played or coached or ever participated in anything further than high school. Just odd. Uh, yeah. So, and listen, when you were in high school, like obviously we both coached, both coached high school. Yeah, you only have like five coaches. Yeah, like yeah. For, I mean, some, some you know, it depends on where you go. Yeah, some are less, some are more. Right. So, right. so, so you're you are interacting with every single player. But I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, even as someone who who doesn't coach a huge team, you know, only about thirty something players. Um, if they're not on the offense, I don't care. I don't, no. I, I don't care. Like I, I can tell you, like if they're great, like oh yeah, yeah, like no, he's good. But like I couldn't tell you much outside of that. Like I'm yeah. not like unless he was in my position group on defense, right? Uh, I I can't tell you how it like like how a dude was at linebacker my team. Right. I can I can tell you if he was good or not. But right. I can't go like into the details of like what do you fit our scheme? Like I have to go back and watch tape, honestly. Yeah. Um, I love this guy so much that if I go, I want him to transfer and whatever. You know my point. But whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but I'm, I'm with you. But no, it's, it's we're at that we're at that stage now where you get a lot of people like that. Yes. Um, but they just, just don't understand it. Um I've seen it all the time too. Like, you know, uh you you know now this uh officer coordinator at the job, you think he's gonna grab that defensive end? 
that he played against? No. Like, right. No. I mean, the exactly. dude was a rotational player. Like, they don't fucking know each other. Yeah, right. Like, Aaron Rodgers is not recruiting Russell Douglas to go to the Jets. Okay? Yeah. No. Not happening. Like, this is my point. So, anyway, I digress. That is that is what it is. Uh, I think for the Giants, they had a nice day. I thought uh, there were some other nice teams with some nice moves. Um, not the Jets. Not the Jets. Rodgers, that whole situation is a disaster. That may be another podcast in and of itself when that happens. Yeah. Well, well here's here's the deal. And we'll, let's talk about it very briefly because we are going at, at the we're past the hour sure. mark here. Um, but you know, I the thought process was noon today or around noon today we would know from Aaron. It is almost midnight Eastern time. Um, we have not heard shit. Or at least the public hasn't heard anything. I haven't I don't asked. Jets heard shit. Yeah, I don't, ever, I don't know how much they heard either. Like, I haven't asked anybody. I had, no. Um, well, you do know people inside the league. You try not to bug them too much, but especially right now. Uh, you, you know, because no, knowing if Aaron Rodgers is getting there or not is not something I'm dying to know, right? That, right. That, that'll be out there eventually. Yeah. Uh, but also at the same time, I don't know if they know. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's it's kind of a mess. Um, then the only person that knows right now is Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not even sure if he's of sound mind at the right moment. He might be bucket tripping balls somewhere in a hobbit hut uh so <laughs> I, I i don't know what that guy's doing uh but i will say right now like uh i understand why joe douglas and robert sala are putting all their chips in aaron Rodgers because if this doesn't turn out good for this year they're probably not on the new york jets in 2024 yeah. um but aaron Rodgers, he obviously had a bad year last year he's still a great player without a doubt still an all for a low player uh, probably honestly, definitely the second best quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes, and yep. I, I, I think that's I will easily say that. Um, I saw rankings where he was ten, which was like what, what yeah. the fuck. Um, I I see this whole situation fucking crashing and burning in yep. the New York Jets. Yep. Um, I saw I I think there's a lot of um, love being put in the New York Jets. I think that people are overestimating that defense uh, because defense is not super stable yep. from year to year, right? Because defense, the reason why defense is super stable from year to year uh, is for two reasons. One, injuries, obviously. Yep. And two, defense relies more heavily on who you're facing than offense is, right? Yep. Offense kind of dictates um, everything. Defense is more reactionary, so yep. your offense can be more stable from year to year. Defense, yep. not so much, right? Yeah. Um, so there's no saying that the defense is going to be as good as it was. Um, right. And although I think Sauce Gardner is going to have a good year again, usually when we see a, a player have a great first year, there is a sophomore slump the following because it, it just happens. Almost naturally, yeah, right. Uh, like it's, it's hard to do that again, right? Because yeah, he, like yeah. he was arguably the best corner in the league last year. Yeah. yeah. So like, is he going to be the best corner in the league again? I, like, are, is, he, is he Deion Sanders? Like, that's the question we got to ask. Is he Deion Sanders? Is he because that's that that would be the level of like him. And honestly, he might be. He, he might, might be. be. But I'm not smart. Money's not on that. Right. Um. So it's it's definitely interesting. I don't know how that Jets offensive line is gonna look. It's a fucking mess. Yeah. Um. Like, high Beckton lost some weight, which is good. But like, I again, offense. Like, I, when it comes to injuries and players, man, I think every time I get someone gets an injury, you're knocking a little bit off their potential. At this point, I don't know Mackay Beckett is. Right. Like, I just don't know. And, like, you know, the whole his whole deal was that he was just an overpowering monster. But now he lost weight. So now he's just very long. Can he still overpower people? We don't know. Can he, can he, 
can he kick slide anymore? Yeah. I have no idea. Um, and they're playing him at right tackle now, right? So like, can he right. even play right tackle? Like, like for a whole season? Big difference. Who the hell knows? But that's another one. Like you know, we saw, um, not to go, not to go too off the point here, but Juwan Taylor getting signed from the Jags yeah. to play left yeah. tackle now, yeah. as playing right tackle his entire career. Yep. Uh, that's a fucking mistake. Bold. Um, it's like I know, it, you know, it's not great to question Andy Reid because he's amazing, but like, that's a pure projection. You are paying like. You are paying. You're giving Juwan Taylor all that money the same that you'd be giving a draft pick all that money. Right. He has right. never played that spot before, and right. it is a, It's not the same. It is not the same going right. from right to left. It is not. Um. Right. Or even left to right. This is not the same. Um. So I the Jets are in a real bad spot. Uh. I don't even with Rogers. I don't know if they're the best team in the East. Yep. I. There's still a. a there's still a, there's a lot of me thinking that there's that. The Dolphins and the Bills were probably still the best in the East. Yeah. Even with Rodgers on the Packers. I mean, on, on the, the Jets. Jets. The Jets, yeah. The Packers are absolutely fucked. Like, they're, they're, they're <laughs> just, like, I, it's going to be great when the Bears absolutely roll them next year. <laughs> Cause, like, I don't, I have no idea what the, what the Packers do. No, that's, that's like a whole other That's rough. Yeah. And, like, you know, I know this whole, like, him delaying is fucking the Jets. It's really fucking the Packers. It's really bad. It's, really yeah. Cause the Jets, at least, you know, at the end of the day, if this goes their way, they still get Aaron Rodgers. The Packers missed out on a full day of free agency, and they lost their quarterback. Well, I will say this: if, but, however, to put a little caveat, if the Jets don't get Rodgers, are you, can that, you play quarterback? Uh, that's going to be bad. That's oh my be oh really no! Bad. If if they don't get Rodgers, um, then I would, if I was Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, I would put my house on the market now. And I have, and I have Jets friends who are or Jets fans who are friends. And they, and I'm like, this, you know, it's going to be great. Good for you. My one friend will not buy it. He goes, until I see him in a Jets jersey, I don't believe it. He goes, because there has been, he goes, the list of who could have been Jets or who should have been Jets. It, I mean, listen, I mean, that would be the most Jets thing. Like, you know, how they say bearing any unforeseen changes. Yeah. That would be the Jets. The Jets well, are the unforeseen change. Well, it reminds me of like um, the the first time LeBron left Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland, and all the Knicks fans are like, "LeBron's coming to New York!" Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, people, and people bought into that so hard. I mean, when yeah. Miami Knicks fans were, were just fucking, oh god, they were and the Knicks got him like got him on. Also, that would have been great, but uh, yeah. distraught, right? Uh, yeah, that's um, and that that would be. Uh, I think your friend's smart because there there is a legitimate possibility that. Um, uh, Rogers does not. I, I don't I think. think I, I don't think. I, I don't think he plays anywhere. I think. Either, yeah. I think either he plays the Jets or retires. I think if I'm the Packers, well, the things of if he the Packers may not have a fucking choice. That's the, that's another problem. Let me look at this real quick. Like they may not have a choice because you're not going to let Rogers walk, right? Like you know, if he says he wants to come back, you can bench him, right? Uh, but yeah, no, there's nothing they can do. Like. Rodgers has the Packers by the balls. Um, yeah, they can't cut him. And if he says he doesn't want to go anywhere, then you can you can bench him. You can make his life miserable, hoping he retires or he accept, or he accepts a trade. Uh, but also, if you're actually, I'm not gonna say it because because I, I would say even, even if Rodgers fucks the Jets, a team will still a team actually will still go all in for him. Well, uh, I if will, they have to. I will say this, and we were saying the Jets would be fucked. Yeah, absolutely. I, listen, I would I would put in I would I would put that boat in on all, all in on Lamar at that point. 
I I would. I don't know. I, I don't know if Lamar and Nathaniel would have to work all together. Stafford? Trade maybe you trade for Stafford. It's like a oh, little God. bit. Stafford, like a he, he, Stafford should retire. Like he's yeah, he's done. Like, he's yeah. done. Like his his elbow is absolutely like his entire body is just like is broke. Is he barely missed any time in in Detroit, and he took so many hits. I think it's just his body's breaking down. Right. Um. No. The the, the sad fact is, if the Jets don't get Rogers, you're looking at a total rebuild. Yeah. And that's just. That is the unfortunate truth, right? Because you, you look at the Jets team, which I don't think people are looking hard up at this team. You got CJ Mosley and Carl Lawson and Corey Davis mm-hmm. and Dwayne Brown as your <laughs> top cap hits. If Aaron Rodgers does not come to that team, all four of those guys are coming off the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, Lakin Tomlinson is a $10 million hit. He's probably off the roster. Jordan Whitehead is a ten million dollar yeah. hit. He's probably off the roster. Like it's just this team is really built to win today. Uh, and if they are playing Zach Wilson or Joe fucking Schmo, uh, this team is going to be blown up. Uh, uh, and and I think they. Uh, <laughs> the sad the sad thing is, uh, if that does happen, I think you also start to waste Garrett Wilson and. Sauce Gardner. Yep. Because you're gonna lose them while they're cheap, and then you have to pay them. And it's the whole. It really, they they really. Uh, I get it, right? I get it because Aaron Rodgers makes you a legitimate Super Bowl contender yeah. uh, in New York. But like, if this does not work, they are just unbelievably fucked. Yeah. Yep. It's just, bad. It's a bad situation. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't. I would hate to be a Jets fan right now, which I'm lucky I'm not. But um. Overall, day one, happy with the New York Giants. Uh, yeah. There wasn't well, any... Buenos Roches uh, Roches, you know. Roches <laughs> also seeing a bunch of Eagles leaving this, like... A good thing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and the Cowboys doing nothing, also great. Yep. Um, honestly, the the Giants... The Giants got better today. Um, I don't know if you could say that about... Some other teams in their division. I, I, don't I mean, know. I listen. I thought what the commanders did. I think it's a, it's a. I thought it was a little much for the Nick Gates deal, but I see where they were going with it. Just, I think, I think if he plays his potential, like, I mean, I think he's played pretty decent. I mean, he was a rotational player for the Giants, so I know his story is beautiful, and God bless him, and that's great. But I mean, I think it's a, it's a high reward, but it's very high risk too. I think the amount of money they gave him was a lot. I like Andrew Wiley though. I thought that was a good signing. Uh, I agree. I, I I agree with that as well. Um, uh, it the Nick Gates thing. I agree was a little, uh, a little much, little much. Little much. Uh, but hey, man, good for him. Like he, the fact that he came back and the is able to do alive. what he did. Yeah, yeah, the fact that he's alive is is yeah. impressive. Yeah. Um, like looking at the just look real quick around around the around the division before we wrap this up. We're going yeah. almost ninety minutes. Uh, losing T.J. Edwards, losing Javon Hargrave. Uh, massive. They're probably massive. gonna. They're probably gonna lose uh, either one or both of C.J. Gardner Johnson and James Bradbury. They lost yeah. Alps. Slay might also be on the way out. Slay may be uh, on the way Stu's out. Stu's not coming back. I don't know if Fletcher Cox is coming back. Um, it it's it's um the the Eagles window was last year. I don't I don't know if they have. What it takes to to keep it up. 
because they listen, they went all in, which you have to do. Uh, so it, even if even if the Eagles do resign some players at this point, I don't think they, I've, no matter what, they are worse off than last year. Right. Uh, because of how good that team was. Correct. Um, and they also lost both of their coordinators. Like that, Correct. that the Eagles is, are going to have a, a down year next year compared to what they had this year. Yep. Um, the Cowboys, you know, they lose Conor McGovern is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Tony Pollard's out for most of the year next year. So I don't, yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on over there. Uh, Dalton Schultz, I, I haven't seen him be. Reti- uh, I haven't seen him come back yet. Yeah. Played um, Vanish, probably not coming back. Uh, honestly, this, this Cowboys team is not great, and losing and losing. Cal- I think losing Kellen Moore is the biggest thing. Um, yeah. Uh, and then losing, looking at Washington, uh, real quick, I would say they didn't lose much, though. They, not, no, I, I think Washington. Washington might be the team that improved the most so far because of also adding Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, if okay. there's no if quarterback, I, I don't know what they're going to be able to do with Sam Howell. I yeah. like Sam Howell. I like Sam Howell a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how far that goes. Um, I'm not sure that that puts them in the division com- uh, division talk. Um, they kept a lot of their good players, which is great. Uh, also going to be super interesting to see what happens with with, with uh, Chase Young at some point. Um, but yeah, I would say right now, Cowboys, Eagles down, Giants, Commanders up, and uh, between the Giants and the Commanders, I think the Giants are in a better spot. I think the Commanders improved more, but also because they they sucked a bit more. Yes. Um, but the Giants yeah. did good. But at the same time, I don't want people to think that because I'm saying that I think the Giants are going to win the division. Eagles are still the favorite. Yeah, I agree. Eagles are still the favorite. Uh, the Cowboys are probably second favorite, fading but fading. But leave a favor at the same time. I could absolutely see the Giants taking over the Cowboys. Yeah, because I don't know what this team's gonna look like next year under McCarthy. It might be an absolute dumpster fire. That could, yeah, right. That could be absolutely that's a dumpster fire. And I could see the Commanders jumping up. Uh, expect a expect a smash mouth team from the Commanders. I know people think that Eric Bieniemy is this air raid guy because he played under because he was coached under under yeah, Reed. He is yeah. not. He is a he wants to run the ball yeah. but efficiently. He doesn't. He's not a guy that's gonna give it to like these slashers. He wants guys. He wants effective runners, and he yep. wants big plays. Um, I think you're gonna see a much better commander team next year. But at the same time, if the commanders get sold, it may not matter, right? And they made clean house anyway. Yep. So, if AFCs wise, Giants are probably looking the best. Good for them. They're, they're not. They probably won't win the next year, but definitely. I feel years, good. Years, years. I, I feel better than I have the last five or so years. Hundred years, yes. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll be back soonish. Uh, you know, yes. uh, I, I would say maybe maybe we'll hop on an emergency podcast if, when the, the Rogers news Rogers stuff or, happens, yes. or when some other big names start start breaking, uh, some big trades start happening. Uh, so, but if not, we'll be back next week. Um, Hopefully, I get more. I'm more of a regular schedule. Uh, I haven't been sleeping at all. Again, baby, uh, baby, baby and, problems. Yeah, baby problems. Uh, but also, like, I'm excited to start talking draft stuff. Like, I'm yes. almost through this edge class. I have done with the quarterbacks already. Uh, so I had the whole team study. I did. I would love the job. I would love to talk about that with you a little bit. Yeah. And dive into what Super Bowl teams are, how they're building them. Um, not just in terms of like where the money's coming from, like also how they're being acquired. Yes. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, and then we'll go with the draft, man. And like I said, this quarterback class, as a hint, not as good 
as right. people want to make it out to be. Um, and the fact, oh, the fucking Panthers and the Bears. Well, I guess real quick, Panthers and Bears, give me your opinion. Uh, I think that's that was a nice, that was a great trade for for the Bears. I think it was just the, the I think I wouldn't say the Bears fleeced them, but I think it was I think the Bears won that trade. Uh, I I would I if if I am the Panthers uh, or from the Bears, I am sending them a, a, a picture of Doctor Andre Novik from a. Uh, from uh from from uh the league because they got absolutely trade raped because uh, the Bears fucking killed them man um yeah. and I love I, I and this is another thing I don't know what this whole report is about them trading up to trade back down yeah that's it's absolute bullshit I was asking someone on SiriusXM the other day um and I was like what are they trying to get out of this and I'm like <laughs> I don't fucking know I, I, I just that's no one understands good. what like, not not even like no like you know honestly it could be like if you're trying to to maneuver but like. No one even knows what they're trying to do. This is it's just a dumb. There's, there's nothing you're you're building from that, right? Well, now you're getting uh, the BS reports. Tepper loves uh, um, Bryce Young. Yeah. Uh, Frank Reich just likes CJ Stroud, and then it was the whole Richardson comment today. I'm like, I can't yeah. So, um, but I can tell you right now, Stroud, Young, Richardson, Levis, none of them are worth the first round. Number one overall pick. I agree. I yeah. I, I could say right now, none of them are worth it. Um, who do you think it'll be? Who do you think if they if they stay there? Who's the pick? Right Stroud, now, as of today, Stroud, you think it's Stroud? I agree. I, 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 uh, uh, just Bryce Young is fucking the tiniest person. <laughs> yeah, I've ever seen like uh, like that. He's he, there. I don't know if they even have shoulder pads small enough for him. You can put your daughter out there and just uh, the, he she right. would probably be, be taller than him already at a month old. Um, <laughs> but like it's it's a problem. Uh, I think Stroud fits more of what Reich wants to do. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I and Stroud is my favorite quarterback of this class. Uh, and I wouldn't pick him with the first overall pick. Yeah, I think I this uh, Stroud and Young, I think, are the best shot of being Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks. Um, but I, the, the and again, something that gets, that's lost in conversation when we talk about the draft is for someone to be a Pro Bowl caliber player, they have to replace somebody who is already a Pro Bowl caliber player. Touche. Uh, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. Considering there replace- are. Because then there are there are six to eight Pro Bowl quarterbacks every year. Who are they kicking out from the top eight? Yeah, nobody. Because if I'm looking at it, like you're kicking out Trevor Lawrence. Nope. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, Mahomes. <laughs> Mahomes. Uh, and then you think about guys who were not in it last year, who are probably still likely in it, like a Lamar, uh, like Rogers, maybe a Dak, like Dak. But, but like that's the problem, right? Like you know, I wouldn't even know if Dak would be in that conversation right now. So right. Like, it's it's a to be a, that's, I had the same talk with uh, Trevor Lawrence, but people are like, oh man, he's like, you know, blue chip caliber quarterback. Like, well, there's only two all pro quarterbacks every year, right? Mm-hmm. And it's usually Joe, it's either Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Who's yeah. he replacing? Is who, who is, like, you could say Trevor Lawrence, but are you are you're saying, maybe saying Aaron Rodgers, but like, all right, you're taking Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow right now? You're taking Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. All right. Uh, so it's, uh, so I, I think their ceiling, CJ and, and Young, are, is that impact level, Pro Bowl level player? Yeah. Um, but even with that being their ceiling, I don't know if they reach it. Um, and then you have Richardson, who's a great athlete, and Hooker, who I love. Obviously, we just talked about him. Uh, Tanner and Stanford's awful, uh, and Levis is just overhyped. Um, but yeah, none of these guys are worth an overall pick. And the fact that the Bears were able to fleece the Panthers, and the Panthers are going to continue to be terrible. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, if someone could win with a bad quarterback, it'd be Frank Reich. Right, so right. 
So I guess listen, yeah, give give him give him Stroud, give him Young, uh, and they might still have a shot to win the South because the South is a dumpster fire. The Saints lost all the defensive players today. The Buccaneers are in cap hell, uh, and um, uh, the Falcons are still the Falcons. So like, there's still a shot. There's still a shot, but never say never. But all right, man. Uh, We'll talk next week. Go Giants. I know this wasn't supposed to be a Giants podcast, but fuck it. Uh, Next week we'll talk more draft, talk more uh, freaking stuff, and then uh, Yeah. yeah, man, just. Keep it rolling. Later, dude. Peace.